Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Good morning, 670 The Score listeners here in Chicago and abroad, listening via the app, via the radio.com app. It is indeed inside the clubhouse on The Score with me, Matt Spiegel, and him, Bruce Levine. Good morning, Bruce. How you doing? Good morning, Matt. And uh, we're uh, anticipating baseball sometime this year. Uh, we've been a bit redundant on Saturdays talking about <laughs> the negotiations and the hopeful of a new season. We are not there yet. Uh, but with all the doom and gloom that's being reported out there, I can honestly tell you that I still feel very confident there will be a baseball season. I cannot tell you how many games there will be, Matt. I cannot tell you when that season will begin or end. But I'm confident that uh, although both sides seem uh, really locked into their positions, that there will be a coming of an agreement here uh, over this next week. I think this week is probably uh, the um, most important week of of the baseball season, maybe most important week of any baseball season since uh, 1994 and the last uh, strike lockout that lost us the World Series. So from all of that... um, I am much more hopeful than many people out there about the possibilities of a season starting, hopefully by the middle of July. Well, I, uh, I, I will happily and eagerly take some of that optimism from you. I, I, I do believe there will be baseball. I just have this fear that it's going to be just the 48 or 50 game season that the owners will flat out institute and it'll begin on August 1st, but uh, we'll see, and and maybe it will be sooner than that. Either way, it, it has been redundant by us because the negotiations have been redundant, and they've been slow, and it's been frustrating to see what the sides have had to say. We'll talk about it and, and would love to get some of the listeners' input along the way, but it's also the week of the draft, and I'm looking very much forward to our guest at 10 o'clock, Bruce. Yeah, Mike Shirley, this new scouting director for the Chicago White Sox, will join us at 10. Uh, Pat Hughes, a great broadcaster for the Cubs that you hear on the score and the radio.com app, he will be joining us at 9.30. And as Matt said, 
to either text us or get in with us on a call. It's 312-644-6767. So it's a very easy in to hit the text line as well as to get the phone line. And Matt, uh, you know, the this week, um, you know, we've heard people about people digging in the rejections of uh, of an 82 game schedule by the owners, the rejections of any idea about a 48 game schedule that uh, the owners may propose. They have not officially sent that over to the union, but they've discussed it with them. And mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly, in early April, Matt Spiegel was the first one to say, Give me a 50-game season. If that's all we can get, I just need my baseball. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely correct. I remember throwing it at Joe Madden when you and I were having the conversation. But, you know, it's one thing to have a 50-game season because that's all the pandemic will allow. It's another to have a 50-game season because it can't agree on dollars that would have allowed an 82-game season or possibly even a 100-game season. That, that part feels unseemly. But, yes, Bruce, if we end up with just a 50-game season and then a full postseason, it, I, I will certainly look back in retrospect and say at least we got some baseball in. And it would be weird. Whatever we have will be weird. But a 50-gamer, let, let's imagine that for a moment. Imagine the White Sox going, what, 35-15? and 15? <laughs> or, or some team just going yeah. crazy and going 40-10 and 10 and never having a chance to come back to the pack because they never have a chance to get past what would have actually just been Memorial Day in a regular season. So it, it could make for some absolute strangeness. It will be glorious to see the game when it comes back. I just, it, it, it's just, it's been so ugly um, for, for the past couple of weeks. When you give voice to your optimism that something could begin in the middle of July, do you imagine that the players will bend a bit and find uh, you know, find a willingness to play for slightly less than the prorated if there are more than the 48 games? Or, or, or do you imagine that the owners will pay the full freight for slightly more than 48 games? You know, I think it's going to be a 65 to 70 game season. I think that uh, the agreement will come in the form of deferred payments of some sort either deferred uh, mm-hmm. with, you know, a little bit of extra money on top of it, you know, whatever way you want to do it. If it's deferred over three years, uh, I think there's an agreement in there somewhere where uh, the owners have time to recoup their revenue streams, uh, where baseball is back to where it needs to be. And then running into the CBA uh, after at December 1st, 2021, uh, when the new collective bargaining agreement uh, begins. And hopefully this animosity that's occurring right now, Matt, will serve purpose to clear out a bunch of the garbage that we'll have to hear. And maybe a, a, a method has been uh, found upon to get an agreement in place with some of the parameters before that drop dead date of December 1st, 2021, when a uh, new collective bargaining uh, agreement occurs and in the middle of a free agent season, uh, nothing may happen. So hmm. from all of that, I'm hoping a lot of positives occur from this uh, tough negotiation that's going on here. But I've seen these many times before. Uh, I've seen the same animosity. I've seen, seen the more, you know, we're, 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 our opinion is correct. Yours is wrong. Uh, you greedy owners, you greedy players, 
uh, it's been going on for for decades and decades. And uh, I, I still am confident that smarter people like the owners, representatives and the players, representatives will get this thing done. The it, it's it's interesting to hear you posit about the possibility of a 65 to 70 game season, something like that. With the deferments, the players did throw out the possibility of deferments, but it was only on postseason money, or or only if excuse me if the postseason did not happen in full right. because of the second wave of a pandemic or something like that. So 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 that idea would have the players agreeing to some sort of deferment of uh, of the overall finances. I, you know that that would make sense. It depends how long I guess the owners would want to have that. And how long how long it would take baseball to get back to to normalcy? I don't. I guess that's the question, Bruce. Like I, I don't know. And and it, it's important if it's in there in the negotiations as they're talking, as you talk about the next CBA and stuff. Twenty twenty one may not look vastly different from whatever twenty twenty looks like. I mean, if twenty twenty is no fans, I don't know that twenty twenty one goes right back to. You know, um, teams drawing two million or three million or forty thousand at Wrigley Field on a Friday afternoon. I don't know that that's what that that will mean right away. Yeah, you know what? I, I think that's a wonderful point that you bring up. That uh, people going to the ballparks in masses and feeling comfortable there, um, especially if we see any type of new wave of the pandemic hitting, uh, is going to be uh, maybe a, a year or two away. Uh, because of the fact that uh, we don't know the, the medicine, we don't know the science and how it's going to impact us. We see beautiful days right now, Matt. You, you open the door up, it's it's beautiful outside, right? Um, everybody feels better. Warm weather is here. Pandemic in most areas is starting to flatten out. So there's that, that comfortable feeling that, hey, the worst is behind us. Uh, there's nothing ahead of us uh, as far as this returning and we can go back to our normal lives. But when it comes to fans in the stands, uh, season ticket holders sitting four or five seats apart, uh, fans that go to seven or ten games during the season and not being able to go with uh, people uh, that they normally go with, um, people working for the clubs telling you you're not six feet away from somebody and mm-hmm. how that will work. Uh, I, I think... I think it's something that's really not plausible in 2020. Now, maybe, and I've been accused uh, of this before and again in this circumstance, I'm overthinking it, all right? But in the case of fans in the stands and controlling social behavior at the ballpark in a new way with uh, game day personnel as the the people that have to police it, uh, I, I don't see much hope in that this season. 670 the score is is where you are even if I guess I wonder Bruce if there will be a point in August or maybe September or maybe the playoffs where we've reached a point as a nation with our comfort level with our uh, ability to handle things and with the status of the pandemic and maybe with testing that a small amount of fans will find their way into a lottery of sorts to get into the ballpark and watch a game or watch a playoff game. Do you think that's a possibility? Are, are the sides even discussing that as a possibility or have they shelved the entire concept for now? I don't know. It's become convoluted because in Texas, you know, I was told by a major league baseball official that in Texas that um, 
the numbers are so low that the governor there is encouraging the fact that fans in the stands will be a real possibility relatively soon. So if you have fans in the stands in Texas, let's say, or Texas in you know, some part of, of California, uh, which is, is highly unlikely, but just, just you know, to use as a, uh, you know, a, a, a hypothesis, um, mm-hmm. how, how does that money get split up? Uh, you know, nor, normally the revenues from uh, games are, are kept and a certain percentage goes to the visiting team. Uh, you know, how would that, how would that even be uh, divided up? And would you be creating more animosity throughout baseball land if some states open up, some cities, ballparks open up, and the rest of the country doesn't? I mean, you know, does there have to be uniformity all the way around in baseball for this uh, particular season to work properly? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, Texas is really, it, it's its own state. <laughs> it's its own country, country, country as, yes. as, it, as it is often <laughs> wanted to be and really believes it is. They're opening amusement parks and carnivals within counties where there's less than a thousand confirmed cases. They're allowing those amusement parks and carnivals to open at 50% capacity. So they're mm-hmm. they're being awfully aggressive. Um, yeah, I think at, there's at a kissing point. booths as well at the carnival. So uh, <laughs> they're they're very confident there. Very yeah. confident. Um, well, you know, I, I see. The, the thing is. If the owners really want, say, the expanded playoffs, then they can't just go with instituting the 48-game season because then the players would have to agree to the expanded playoffs, right? Like there's uh, no, they wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah, they must. You're right, 100%. Right? It yeah, has yeah, see, to be you, negotiated. Yeah, I, 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 you, you've you've been um, all over some of the details of this because the players can't strike. They can't like just refuse to to show up and strike because they wouldn't get paid. The owners could institute this this 48 game season, but then what would have to be negotiated if the owners put it that way? And even if that's not what we don't not what we get, it gives you yeah. a window into the things that are on the table to be discussed right now. So um, still, so in, in the in the in the event that this is discussed over the next two weeks and they cannot come to an agreement. The owners can implement uh, any amount of games that uh, they want to per the March 27th agreement. Uh, that said, they must pay the players the uh, prorated amount in full for the amount of games that they play. Okay, And uh, they must show good faith in this negotiation as far as trying to get this thing done in a proper way with the other side before they do implement that, okay? So with, with all of that said, um, the, if in the owner's deal, um, if they implement, the players get nothing in the playoffs. And, and they normally don't get anything except uh, the first uh, three games of the NLDS, the first four games of the NLCS, and the first four games of the World Series. They get the gate receipts for those. Uh, that's it. All the TV money goes to the owners uh, for postseason. Uh, in the in the in the owners' offer for the um, for the uh, this the season that they put out there for 82 games, they also offered 200 million dollars as far as new revenue uh, for the players to divide up for postseason, as well as 
the ability to sit down and talk about expanded uh, playoffs and dividing that up. So the actual gross amount of money offered to the Players Association is about $30 million more in, um, in payroll and another $200 million to be divided up um, by the two sides for postseason. And if they implement the 48 games, uh, that's it. Players get nothing uh, whatsoever afterwards. So it's incumbent upon uh, the players to get the best deal possible, not the 48 games that could be implemented. That That's not going to be good for them. It's not going to be good for the game. Nobody wants to see just 48 games. Bruce, I don't like this feeling of being angry and frustrated at the sport that I love, that 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 we love, that we have covered. I, I had such hope for baseball to seize this opportunity that the calendar provides every year, but obviously even more so this year to get the focus. These are baseball's months. This is your time. And here, when July 4th could have been a possibility to bring mm-hmm. back the game and have pretty much a full month in complete athletic isolation for a country in desperate need of some entertainment and some distraction. It, it appears that they're going to miss that opportunity to give people something great to show their ability to be conciliatory. Instead, they're getting this opportunity and they're showing people the abject ugliness of the negotiations and what it has been for decades within the sport. It's a really it's a really sad and ugly moment that I, I hoped would pass by now, but it's it's not passed. And I, I don't know what to do with this anger and frustration, so I'm spewing it in your direction, yeah. Bruce Levine. Uh Before we go to break, and again, 312-644-6767, if you want to call us or text us and get in with the show, which we hope you do. Um, in, the, in an article uh, written this morning by Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic, uh, he point, points out that it's in, it's an impossibility right now to get July 4th because it's going to take 10, 10 days for the players to all get in from other countries and be able to start spring training. So ideally, if the deal's done today, it would be the 15th of uh, June when they start. They need four weeks for pitchers. So 15th of July would be the realistic date to start if an agreement was done today, okay? And then mm-hmm. you would you would play... Six, maybe 65 to 75 games be done by uh, the end of September, which is uh, something that the, the owners are really dug in on. They do not want to go past that because they want their postseason to end before the end of October. So, um, you know, uh, Kenny Rosenthal said, you know, that the, the July 4th date is completely out. I agree with that 100 uh, percent. That's that's not going to happen here. And and again, getting getting players in take a week to 10 days at the very earliest. Uh, we are running out of days every day. And that's why I go 65, 70 rather than the initial 82 and somewhere in between that 48 that nobody seems to really want. Yeah. So, I mean, you understand the anger and the frustration that I have that a lot of oh, yeah. fans have out there because here, here be we sit. Yeah, but here, here we sit and baseball had an opportunity to, to be first back and instead you get a sport arguing with each side and, and, and the owners in charge saying, you know what, fewer games is better. Thanks very much. And nobody, no, nobody wants to see their sport argue to play less. It's just right. they're getting in, in their own way well, right now that, in, in a moment there, when, there they, would when be, they should not. You're right, Matt, but there, should, there would be an expanded postseason if you get any jollies out of that. In other words, it would be a, a five-week postseason rather than four weeks, mm-hmm. okay? Or five and a half, you know, with an expanded playoffs. 
<laughs> as you said, to be to to be agreed upon by both sides, it has to be agreed upon. But why would the players say no if they're getting a bigger piece of the pie? So with that in mind, uh, you know, we'll 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 go to break here. But again, uh, I feel your pain, Matt. I feel fans' pain. Uh, I'm as a big a fan of the game as anybody out there, I believe. And um, I just uh, just tears me up that every day you wake up and it's one more opportunity that's lost to have a baseball game. Right. And uh, I mean, God, it, it, if if they were to end up skipping the entire season, that damage would be massive. As it stands, the damage is going to be palpable. Um, I'm, who knows how big it will be, but let's all it, grab some of that. Huge me because I will be fired. So uh, that's <laughs> it's going to hurt personally with there is no baseball and no baseball to cover. You know, uh, time will be running out for me and a lot of people's other jobs ancillary wise. I don't expect anyone to feel bad about that because so many people and so many businesses are out mm -hmm. of out of out of work as you drive around the city and you see uh, yeah. the businesses that did not reopen. And that makes you very sad and very cognizant of what's going on out there. Well, uh, we can all try to grab on to some of that patented Bruce Levine optimism that baseball will be back at some point, perhaps in the middle of July. Um, I am uh, I'm fearful that we're going to get August 1st, uh, but we'll see. In the meantime, Bruce, let's take a break, as you mentioned, and talk to one of our favorite guys, one of our favorite voices in baseball when we come back, right? Absolutely. Pat Hughes will be joining us, and then Mike Shirley, scouting director for the Chicago White Sox at the top of the hour. There we go. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This segment of which is brought to you by DuckDuckGo Privacy. Tired of being tracked online? DuckDuckGo can help. They help millions of people like you take control of their personal information online. With one download, you can search and browse privately, avoiding trackers all for free. DuckDuckGo Privacy Simplified. It's inside the clubhouse. I'm Matt Spiegel. He is Bruce Levine. And Bruce, it's time for our next guest to join us on the Alpamani Ford Hotline. Alpamani Ford in Melrose Park. The great voice of the Chicago Cubs that you hear on the 670 The Score and 670thescore.com as radio as well as radio.com. Pat Hughes joins us on Inside the Clubhouse this beautiful Saturday morning. Pat, thanks for taking some time out. Great to talk to you. Bruce, thank you for having me on. Nice to be on with you and Matt. And you're right, it is a beautiful day. It would be a perfect day 
to be at Wrigley Field watching and broadcasting a ball game. When you look at uh, baseball, and I, I know you as a not only a, a great uh, reporter on the air, but a, one who follows the game pretty intently, uh, you've seen many, many uh, years of negotiations and work stoppages during your career. Uh, how much do you pay attention to the he said, she said of this, uh, knowing that uh, most of the time, except for 1994, these things do have a way of getting worked out? Uh, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to the he said this or he said that or they're doing this or that they're doing that. It's, um, it's really a, uh, a business uh, negotiation between two sides, the owners and the players, and all I want to hear is that we have a deal and that we're going to start playing, and here's the schedule. And uh, Because I, I just miss the game, Bruce. I really do. I miss, I miss being part of the broadcast with Ron Coomer and Zach Zaidman. That's a broadcast I truly love to be part of. Uh, we have had such a great Cubs team to cover since 2015. It's just been a lot of fun. And I was thinking, I was listening to you and Matt in the last hour, um, I, I just miss the game. I, I miss watching certain players play. Watching Javier Baez play baseball is something I truly enjoy. He does something about every three or four games. You think, how in the world did he do that? I like watching Anthony Rizzo lead the Cubs out onto the field uh, prior to the top of the first inning. I love watching the at-bats of Chris Bryant. I like watching Kyle Schwarber in left field kind of dancing to that Aerosmith song right before the ball game. I miss the enthusiasm of Wilson Contreras behind the plate. Um, and and I, just, I just miss all of that stuff. And, and I miss the laughter. I, I miss being at the ballpark with, with Ron Coomer and Zach Zaidman. We like to cover the game, but we also like to laugh and have a good time. And I think, I think that might be one of the things I miss the most. Ouch. It just you just made it hurt a little bit more, Pat, in a good way. Uh, You know, I I think I think you've had the enviable position of being able to focus on the games and the experience themselves. And some of us like Bruce and I or others in the business who end up having to talk about some of the details and some of the ugliness, it can tarnish. It really can tarnish just the purity and the beauty of the experience. And I'm feeling that difference so much more palpably right now as you talk about it. I would, man, I'm dying to get back in touch with those kind of feelings and just with the beauty of the game. I hope it can be accessed very easily once we see the games begin again. Do you think you'll you'll be able to feel that connection pretty quickly once the game presents itself back to you below the booth? Well, I... I... I, um, Bruce, I don't have great hearing. I'm not sure if it's the connection here, but you're you're talking about uh, the the beauty of the game and and yes. missing that. And will we all kind of reconnect with just simply enjoying the the beauty that is a major league baseball game? And I, I think yes. I think once the negotiations are over, uh, that is behind us, and and we'll just focus on the game. Um, I, getting back to the laughter, if if I could share a story because. Sometimes I just feel like we all need to laugh and smile. I was reminded by a fan of a story that I had completely forgotten about, but he told me, and I laughed out loud like crazy. It was about Ron Santo 
It was about a game of baseball trivia that we play. Uh, if you follow Cubs radio, you know if it's a blowout game, say the Cubs are leading the ball game by eight or nine runs, and it's the eighth inning. We bring in the third man in the booth. At that time, it was Judd Surratt who would create a brain teaser for Ron Santo and me. Now, here's the question. Now, one, one of the things about Ron Santo that was hilarious was that he would say things without thinking them all the way through. And he was, he was simply one of the funniest people by just being himself. Here's an example. The question Judd put to us was this. In the year 2002, this Chicago Cub became the first National Leaguer ever to homer from both sides of the plate in the same inning, and his initials were MB. Ron Santo blurts out, Ernie Banks! <laughs> well, that would make him Mernie Banks, so no on that one. Ernie was a right-handed batter. We're looking for a switch hitter. Therefore, Ernie would probably not be a real effective guest for any question involving a switch hitter. Plus, Ron Santa was in the on-deck circle for probably 3,000 of Ernie Banks' big league at-bats. You would have thought that he would have remembered he hit only right-handed. And the years might be the funniest of all. In 2002, Ernie Banks turned 71 years old, and he had retired as an active player 31 years prior to 2002. But as I told Ron Santo at the time, aside from those four factors, Ron, that's a very strong guess. You're playing very well. <laughs> that's the beauty of baseball and the beauty of uh, broadcasting the game that we all love. That's Pat Hughes, the voice of the Chicago Cubs, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Matt Spiegel. I'm Bruce Levine. We're here for you every week from 9 until 11 talking baseball with you and hopefully the game itself very soon. Pat uh, came, uh, I, I, was, I got some knowledge of some uh, goings-ons uh, this uh, last week or so from some people with Major League Baseball that uh, broadcasters like yourself, once we do have games, and hopefully that's soon, may not be uh, traveling and will be doing the broadcast, both TV and radio-wise, from their home cities. Um, in the case of some, they might be doing them from ballparks, from what I understand. In many cases, they'll be doing them from uh, studios, the radio studios that uh, are the um, rights holders for Major League Baseball. What would be some of the things that you would uh, have to be challenged with as a radio broadcaster doing play-by-play -play off of monitors at home uh, well, for road games? I, that's a great question, Bruce, and I've been reading about this, and I've been discussing it with our boss, Mitch Rosen, regarding you know some of the logistics. I'm okay with anything. Uh, whatever they decide upon is fine with me. I know Ron Coomer feels the same way, and Zach Zaidman. Uh, if you want us to do it at the ballpark, great, or at a studio, that's fine, too. Yes, it will be a challenge, but when you consider all of the hardships that so many people all around the world are going through right now, this is not a hardship. This is not a big deal to me at all. 
uh, I will do the best I can. I will be as prepared as I possibly can be. I'll give as much detail. I'll describe the uniform colors the way that, <laughs> that I always do it. I will have fun. I promise with Ron Coomer and Zach Zabin, we will laugh. We will cover the game. We'll do the best we can. And, uh, and that's really the only approach that I have, and uh, I, I hope it works. Will it be a challenge? Sure. But I, I, I was thinking about it. If I'm doing a game, broadcasting it, and watching it on monitors, I'm going to have to wait maybe another second or two after the ball is hit because when you're watching a game on television, sometimes you're watching that center field camera angle, and it looks like the guy really hit a long ball. But it turns out to just be a routine fly ball to center or a routine fly ball to left. Uh, so I'm going to wait before I jump to the conclusion thinking that a guy really got all of one. I'm going to wait, and I'm going to you know, wait until the camera goes to the outfielder. Many times the outfielders will tell you how hard a ball is hit. If he's racing back to the wall, <laughs> you know that it might get out of there. It might hit off the wall. He might have to make a leaping catch up against the fence, whatever. So I think that, that would be one of the first things that comes to mind is uh, when the ball is hit, I'm going to have to wait an extra second, unlike being at the park watching it live where you don't really have to wait. Pat, uh, as a quick follow-up to that, um, they're talking about uh, NBA-style uh, piped-in music, NBA-style possibly fan crowd noise. Uh, I think I know this answer already, but, Pat, uh, w what would you think of those uh, being uh, added to the broadcast, knowing there won't be any fans in the stands, at least initially? Well, it, it'll sound different, uh, Bruce, to not have the, uh, the, the fan noise or the crowd noise, if you will, um, but, no, I don't like the idea of phony um, sound effects. Uh, I never have. I never uh, will, I don't think. Uh, it lacks authenticity, and I can always see right through it. It sounds very phony if you have, um, for example, a recreated radio call. Uh, in, in my little side business of baseball voices, I spend a lot of time listening to old-time broadcasting, and I can easily tell if it's an authentic call or if it's a guy in a studio a month after the play uh, recording uh, the play-by-play -play as a recreation. So, no, I don't like, I don't like the, uh, the phoniness of that. I like authentic authenticity. We don't need any crowd noise. We will hear the crack of the bat very loudly, I think, on radio if, if, um, if, if all goes well. I'm sure we'll have a microphone down near the backstop screen so that we can easily pick up the ball hitting the catcher's glove and the ball hitting the bat. Uh, so that, I think, those will be um, uh, you know, important elements of the radio broadcast. But as far as phony crowd noise, no, I, I would not be a fan of that at all. Talking to Pat Hughes right here on 670 The Score, a texter asked, I'm going to guess that that MB who homered from both sides of the plate is Mark Bellhorn? Is that the answer, Pat? MB, yes, I should have pointed that out. MB, Mark Bellhorn, not Myrnie Banks. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Myrna, Ernie's sister Myrna, perhaps. <laughs> um, you know, this idea of, of the unique broadcast with no fans there, 
there's an opportunity, isn't there? You've always been so good at allowing the natural sounds to be part of the atmosphere. And it's something that we all have grown to love, just that that quiet rumble of 20, 30,000 people, right? That, that steady rumble. There'll be a different kind of steady noise. Maybe we'll hear individual ballplayers and figure out who's chatty and who's not. Have you allowed yourself to think about kind of the opportunities that might arise with this sort of atmosphere? Yes, I have. I, that's a good question, Matt. And I think that um, you're right about the, the natural crowd noise in the background, maybe a vendor selling beer or popcorn or whatever. You're right. You get kind of accustomed to those things, and you like those. We will not have those with no fans in the stands. But if you do have a crowd mic down on the backstop screen, uh, you might be able to hear coaches uh, managers, players communicating with each other. That might be kind of interesting. Uh, you have to be a little careful there because the language sometimes might be a little rough for, uh, for family listening. But um, that might be an, a, a different element that, uh, that we'll be drawn into. Maybe hearing a third base coach uh, yelling out to the runner at second base uh, when he's trying to get a lead and the coach is warning him about the shortstop or the second baseman uh, mainly it's the shortstop because you can see the second baseman when you're taking a lead. You cannot always see where the shortstop is. So uh, to hear a third base coach uh, giving instructions to the runner, uh, that'll be kind of interesting. Um, and just maybe hearing the sounds from the dugout, guys complaining about an umpire's call or guys giving encouragement to their teammates, whatever it might be, those might be interesting elements to hear. Some of my favorite moments at the ballpark, Pat, have been sitting in the lunchroom with you and Craig, uh, the great uh, Craig, who is so good with trivia, perhaps Jim Deshays, throwing numbers around, thinking about it. I wonder what contextually it will feel like and what it will register as if, say, DJ LeMayhew hits 405 in a 48-game season what is, or a 60-game season. What, what would that even mean? to the record books and uh, the numbers that are rolling around all of our heads? That's an interesting question, uh, Matt. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I think you would probably have to go to somebody in the commissioner's office in charge of uh, statistical records and, and, and the like. I don't know what the answer would be to that um, because it would not – if you play 45 or 50 games or 70 games – and you hit 400, that's a great accomplishment. But it's nowhere near what Ted Williams did in 1941, hitting 406. Nobody has hit 400 or better since. So I think there would almost have to be some kind of a, an asterisk to it, don't you? Yes. You know, uh, Pat, uh, I wouldn't worry too much because there will be the, the usual Zach Zaidman laugh track in the background of the broadcast. So from that perspective... Uh, things will be intact, and it'll still be a fun broadcast for you, Ron, and Zach. Well, I think so, Bruce. I, I think uh, I'm so anxious to, to get back there, and I know how important it is to millions and millions of fans. And uh, let's face it, I mean, the news has been so bleak here uh, for the last, uh, well, three or four months or so. This, this virus has virtually adversely affected almost every single person on the planet. And then you've, you've got more of the civil unrest here of late that has just been depressing. And 
I mean, I think millions of people just want that that form of escapism of baseball that they've grown to expect and know and love. And um, I'm probably uh, right in that category too. I miss the game for the the escapism aspect. Uh, it, when I'm broadcasting a game, I am never thinking about my problems. I, I'm completely focused on broadcasting and working with Ron Coomer and Zach Zaidman and having fun and trying to come up with the right phrase for whatever play that I see and to try to you know, bring in the proper anecdotes at the right time. And it's almost like I'm in a different world when I'm broadcasting a game. So to be honest with you, I really miss that feeling of escapism. Well, Pat, what I'd really like to do is is ask you to come by and just sit on my balcony six feet away, of course, safely, and just kind of talk about baseball for a while. And I could pretend that there's a ball game because there's a hole in our lives where a ball game should be. So have you thought about renting yourself out in that make, way? I would say make me an offer. <laughs> now here, here before I, uh, I i go here today i don't know i'm i'm willing to stay as long as you guys want but i had another trivia question that uh judd surratt reminded me of because i told him the story about the ernie banks and mark bellhorn he said one time his question was the leader for the most consecutive games played ever is cal ripken jr number two on the list is lou gehrig who is number three? Ron Santos' answer was Trevor Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't Every... think he heard the question properly, but for a closer <laughs> who rarely appears in more than about three consecutive games ever, for him to be considered yeah. as the third on the all-time list was utterly preposterous and hilarious. Yeah, Speegs is uh, Googling it. I'll tell you, it's 12.07, Steve Garvey, right? Uh, uh, Everett Scott. Everett Scott? Yep, Everett, Everett Scott. Scott at 1307. And Ernie, let's see, uh, oh, Billy Williams Gar is up there over 1,000. Yeah, um, Garvey has the National League record. You're right. So, yeah, it was Everett Scott at 13.07, but then Garvey at exactly 12.07. I w it would have taken me a long time to get to the American League guy, who's uh, after Ripken and Gehrig, Miguel Tejada at 1,152. Right, yeah, right. But, and, and you don't see Trevor Hoffman anywhere on the list? <laughs> Nor his brother Glenn, the former shortstop, either. No. Baseballvoices.com for a uh, list of uh, Pat's uh, great CDs that he offers out there, also some scorecards. Uh, if you're in that neighborhood of online, you know, go check it out. Pat... Matt and I, thank you very much. We hope the next time we talk, it's at a ballpark at Wrigley Field, and we're doing all the things that we love, uh, bringing information and sound to the great baseball fans of Chicago. Well, Bruce and Matt, thank you, guys. I'm ready to say Chicago Cubs baseball is on the air. Wow, that's, we it. miss it. Thank you again, Pat. Have a great day. All right, day. guys, you try to have a good weekend, okay? Yeah, we will. Uh, Thank thanks. you. But Bye -bye. You're right. You're right. So right, Matt, about how uh, just hearing Pat's voice, the bo the voice of summer, uh, wherever you go, um, just really difficult uh, to be doing without that. Without a doubt. So when Garvey set the record of 12:07 in 1983, the National Leaguer he passed was Billy Williams. 
You've got it. 11, 11 17. 17. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nellie Fox up there, by the way, uh, for White Sox fans. Seven ninety-eight. Oh, yeah, that's right. And and Ernie had one uh, early in his career as well. Yeah. Uh, that was was pretty well up there. I think in the sixes somewhere. Or seven hundred seventeen. Seven seventeen. Yeah. He's number fifteen all time on this list. Mm -hmm. And the, and the latest ones are about three hundred or three fifty. You know, that's tops uh, before guys are rested these days. Yeah. Uh, the 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 most recent guy to even be anywhere near it is Prince Fielder. At 547 games uh, mm -hmm. set on on 2000 in 2014, so nobody's come close since, and nobody's going to because uh, rest is the order of the day. Every you know, once a week, once every two weeks, get a game off. Yeah, wussy ball. <laughs> <laughs> He's when we come mind. back. Yes, sir. Yeah. When we come back, Mike Shirley, the scouting director of the White Sox. I am Bruce Levine. You can throw your venom my way at 312-644-6767. You can text Matt or phone us at that number. 670, the score is where you are. Mike Shirley, the White Sox scouting director, top of the hour as we continue on Inside the Clubhouse right here. The Major League Baseball draft upcoming this week. And we're going to talk about that over the course of the next hour, Bruce Levine. We'll talk about what the Cubs might be looking at. Let's talk about the draft a little bit in general, how it's going to run this year, the abbreviated draft, which we have discussed quite a bit, actually. And uh, before we do any of that, let's uh, talk about the White Sox draft in detail with a guy who's running his first one. Absolutely. Uh, do we have Mike with us? No, we'll, we'll, we'll take a break oh, and come back. Just what, yeah, but I, I know you spoke I, with I, I Mike. I was thrown off a little bit. Mike Shirley, the scouting director, will be joining us at the top of the hour. And, uh, yeah, it looks like the White Sox, you know, have their 15 guys that they have uh, in, in mind to pick from, Matt. And uh, although I'm sure Mike will not share uh, those names, we can talk in general parameters about what the White Sox are interested in. So I'm looking forward to our conversation with him. Me too. Uh, they pick number 11 in the draft, and we have a lot of names that we can throw at them and really just talk about the process itself. Such a weird year. We'll do that when we come back. Keep listening to Inside the Clubhouse right here on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.